After reciting the Shahod Taus and Surah Al Fatiha, Hazrat Khalid al Masih the fifth Ayyadullah Taala Minister Aziz stated. I will mention accounts related to the expeditions of the Holy Prophet to highlight various aspects of the character of the Holy Prophet and his conduct during those circumstances. During the Battle of Badr, we have already learnt of how he afforded ease to the captives. The prisoners themselves attested to the fact that because the Holy Prophet had instructed to treat prisoners well, the companions would give them better food than what they would eat themselves. Furthermore, we also find that when it came to the release of these prisoners, they were released on very simple conditions. Those prisoners that could read and write, their ransom was to simply teach the Muslims how to read and write. All of this was because the Holy Prophet did not have any personal animosity towards anyone. That is, he did not harbour any feelings of personal enmity toward them in his heart. Rather, it was a war against those who wished to eradicate the religion of Allah the Almighty. On the side of the opponents, there were some who were compelled to take part in the battle due to their circumstances. There are such examples whereby they did not actually wish to fight against the Muslims, but were compelled to do so. The Holy Prophet would also treat them with great kindness. Many of those people would go on to become Muslims. The Holy Prophet also established principles and rules of war and formed treaties, which he implemented and upheld to the highest degree. Contrary to the current world, wherein countless rules and restrictions are made, but they are not followed. In fact, they have double standards. The life of the Holy Prophet was a living embodiment of the commandments of the Holy Quran, in which the fundamental principles of establishing justice, equity and peace are mentioned. Allah the Almighty says at one place, Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu kunu qawwamina lillahi shuhada'a bilqist wa la yajrimannakum shana'anu qawmin ala alla ta'adilu i'adilu huwa aqrabu littaqwa wattaqu allaha inna allaha khabirun bima ta'amalun which means O ye who believe be steadfast in the cause of Allah bearing witness in equity and let not a people's enmity incite you to act otherwise than with justice, 
Be always just, that is nearer to righteousness. And fear Allah, surely Allah is aware of what you do. Hence, the character of the Holy Prophet encompassed every aspect of this teaching and set the highest principles thereof. As I mentioned, in terms of the conduct of the Holy Prophet and his example during these expeditions, I will relate some accounts of other expeditions aside from the Battle of Badr. These include Saraya, i.e. expeditions in which the Holy Prophet dispatched an army during his lifetime under the leadership and command of someone other than him. In any case, as this is a lengthy history, it may take a few sermons to cover this aspect as well. Today I will mention about the Battle of Uhud. As is proven from the events that transpired, this war was also initiated by the opponents due to their fierce enmity. As a result, the Muslims were compelled to set out for battle. In further details, it is recorded that this expedition took place one year after the Battle of Badr on a Saturday in Shawal, in the third year after Hijra, i.e. the migration of the Holy Prophet. Historians and biographers agree on the fact that the Battle of Uhud took place in the third year after migration. However, there is a fringe opinion that this battle took place in the fourth year after migration. There are various narrations about the date of Shawal where the majority mention it to be the 7th, whilst others mention it to be the 15th. Ibn Ishaq, Ibn Hisham, Ibn Hazm, Ibn Khayyat, and Tabari, etc. have only narrated the sayings in which the 15th is stated. The Holy Prophet departed from Medina on a Friday after the Asr prayer and reached the battlefield of Uhud before midday on Saturday. Uhud is the name of a mountain and is situated approximately three miles from Medina. Mount Uhud is approximately four kilometers to the north of Masjid An-Nabwi. It is said that the population of Medina has reached the foot of this mountain and has in fact spread around it. Mount Uhud is part of the holy vicinity. Uhud is positioned east to west and spans approximately six kilometers across. The rocks have a reddish complexion. In his book, Life and Character of the Seal of the Prophets, Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmed Sahib has noted that the date of the Battle of Uhud as 15 Shawal, 3 Hijri, 31st of March, 624 CE. Further details are that the cause of this battle was that when the Quraysh were dealt a crushing defeat in the Battle of Badr, the prominent members of the Quraysh, such as Abdullah bin Abi Rabia, Ikrama bin Abi Jahal, Safwan bin Umayyah, Aswad bin Muttalib, Jubair bin Mutim, Haris bin Hisham, Hawaitib bin Abdul Uzza, and other leaders of the Quraysh who had goods in the trade caravan that became the cause of the Battle of Badr, all went to Abu Sufyan. This trade wealth was brought to Makkah and placed in Dar or Nadwa, as was the custom. However, they did not receive their wealth, because by the time Abu Sufyan brought it, the Meccans had departed for the Battle of Badr. A short while after the Battle of Badr, these people returned and said to Abu Sufyan, Muhammad has killed so many of our people. Therefore, use this trade wealth for preparations to wage war against him. Perhaps we may be successful in avenging our fallen. They further said, We are happy 
and prepared to use the profit of this trade to assemble an army against Muhammad. Hearing this, Abu Sufyan responded, I accept this proposal and the Banu Abdul Manaf are also with me. Thereafter, they placed the profit of this trade aside, which amounted to 50,000 dinars, and the actual amount was returned to its owners. In one narration, it is mentioned that the profit put aside was 25,000 dinar. In any case, the profit was given for the war preparations. In this regard, Allah the Almighty revealed the verse Inna ladhina kafaru yunfiquna amwalahum liyasuddu an sabilillah fasayunfiqunaha thumma takunu alayhim hasratan thumma yughlabun walladhina kafaru ila jahannama yuhsharun which means Surely those who disbelieve spend their wealth to turn men away from the way of Allah. They will surely continue to spend it. But then shall it become a source of regret for them. And then shall they be overcome. And the disbelievers shall be gathered unto hell. Aside from this major reason, there were other factors which can be considered to have led to this battle taking place. As was mentioned in the previous sermon, it was impossible for the Meccans to go to Syria after the Battle of Badr, because the trade route between Makkah and Medina passed through the outskirts of Medina, and it had been blocked by the Muslims. Additionally, as a result of their previous persecution and oppression, it had become extremely dangerous for them and their caravans to pass through, which for the Quraysh was an economic catastrophe. Thus, the blocking of the trade route, defeats in the battles and expeditions, killings of the chiefs of the Quraysh at Badr, and 70 idolaters being held captive were all humiliations to their reputation and economic status. They wanted to take revenge in order to wipe this away and restore their economic credibility and so that the declining political and religious standing of the Quraysh of Makkah may be re-established. On the other hand, the Quraysh of Makkah faced two further embarrassing humiliations after the Battle of Badr, due to which Abu Sufyan and the other Meccans increased in their anger and resentment this made them make an oath to prepare a well-equipped army in order to exact revenge against the Muslims. Thus, an author describes one of the reasons for the Battle of Uhud as being the failure of the Quraysh in the various missions and as a result, their enmity, grief and zeal for revenge increased greatly. He writes that Abu Sufyan, who never set a foot in the battlefield at Badr because he brought the trade caravan back to Makkah via a safe route, had to face constant taunts from the people of Makkah. He swore to take revenge against the Muslims and convinced the Quraysh that he would go to Medina and wage a war against them. In order to fulfill this promise, Abu Sufyan even assembled an army of 200 men and they even reached Medina. However, they did not have the courage to start an outright battle. So they cut down some trees, set fire to some fields and killed two people on the outskirts of Medina before fleeing. This battle was called the Battle of Sawik. I have mentioned this also in previous sermons. Abu Sufyan's intention was for the Meccans to no longer taunt him over the fact that he left his tribe in the plains of Badr and returned. However, after this unsuccessful mission, 
the people began to mock Abu Sufyan over this childish act. Therefore, in order to satisfy his ego, Abu Sufyan started to make efforts towards a full-scale war against the Muslims. As I have mentioned in previous sermons regarding the defeat at Qarada after the unsuccessful mission against Medina, the Meccans sent a large trade caravan on a different route to Syria via Iraq. This caravan was carrying jewellery made of gold, items of silver and other goods, the value of which was estimated to be 100,000 dirhams. When this caravan was reaching the spring of Qarada, Hazrat Zair bin Haritha stopped this caravan of the Quraysh within the borders of Medina. Taking all the wealth of the Quraysh, he returned to Medina. After the worst defeat during the Battle of Badr, this incident at Garada was a crushing humiliation for the Quraysh. That is to say, it was close to Medina at the time. Thus, their thirst for revenge grew twofold. This incident was one of the reasons for the Battle of Uhud. As it were, there were many reasons which caused the disbelievers to prepare for war. And for this purpose, the Quraysh invited the tribes in the surrounding areas to participate. The details of which are as follows. When they had gathered enough provisions for a decisive war against the Holy Prophet they began preparations for the next course of action. The Quraysh were already prepared for war, but they devised different strategies in an attempt to make the neighboring tribes join in. To some tribes, certain individuals were sent, whereas for others, they would send a delegation. They would entice some tribes through greed and for others, they would impassion their honor for their area. To achieve this, they sent Amr bin Alas, Jabir bin Abi Wahab, Abdullah bin Ziwara, Musafih bin Abd Manaf, Abu Uzza Jumay. Abu Uzza Jumay was the very same person whom the Holy Prophet set free from the captives of Badr. At the time, he said, O Muhammad, I have five daughters, and besides me, they have nobody else to support them. Please forgive me. The Holy Prophet not only forgave him, but he did not take any ransom from him either. This was a noble example of the Holy Prophet. At the time, he made an oath that he would never fight against the Holy Prophet again, nor would he assist anyone against him. However, close to the Battle of Uhud, Safwan bin Umayyah promised him gifts and rewards, owing to which he broke his oath and began inciting the Arabs to war using provocative poetry. Poets in those days would go around and incite the tribes. They would remind them of olden times in order to provoke them and then invited them to join them. Many people from Kinana tribe and the people of Tehama agreed to join them. They convinced them that they were ready to launch a night raid on the state of Medina. They were not only ready to do so, but they actively participated. Hazrat Abbas informed the Holy Prophet about the war preparations being made by the disbelievers. The details of this are as follows. The Holy Prophet learned about the Quraysh's preparations for war and their overzealous activities from his uncle, Hazrat Abbas, who was in Makkah. Hazrat Abbas informed the Holy Prophet through a letter, which he sent through a man from the Banu Ghifar. He paid the man to take the letter on the condition 
that he travels continuously for three days to reach Medina and deliver to him by hand. Thus, he travelled continuously for three days and nights to reach Medina and delivered the letter. At the time, the Holy Prophet was in Quba. When he delivered the letter, the Holy Prophet opened the seal and asked Ubay bin Kaab to read out the letter. Ubay bin Kaab read the letter to the Holy Prophet, upon which the Holy Prophet asked him to keep the contents of the letter secret. In one narration, it is mentioned that the Holy Prophet went to the house of Saad bin Rabi and informed him about the contents of Hazrat Abbas's letter. The Holy Prophet then said, I am hopeful of a good outcome, but keep this information a secret. When the Holy Prophet departed from Saad's house, his wife came and asked what the Holy Prophet had said. She was listening into the conversation from inside. Saad said, what does it have to do with you? She said, I heard everything. When she relayed everything she heard to Saad, he exclaimed, Good grief! I did not think that you would be listening to our conversation. He took his wife to see the Holy Prophet and explained what had happened. He then said, O Messenger of Allah, I was worried lest word gets out to the people and you think that I disclosed your secret that you entrusted to me. In reply, the Holy Prophet said, Okay, she is absolved for this. He must have cautioned her as well not to disclose the information. Whilst the Holy Prophet was taking precautionary measures, at the same time, Jews and hypocrites in Medina made it known that the Holy Prophet did not receive any good news. The enemies and hypocrites gained another opportunity to taunt and show their true intentions. They added false information to the rumour and publicised it widely. They tried their utmost to instil fear into the followers of Islam. This news spread to the outskirts of Medina and everyone was on alert. All around there was talk of the idolaters of Makkah coming to wage war again. Allama ibn Abdulbar states that Hazrat Abbas would write down news about the idolaters and send them to the Holy Prophet. The remaining Muslims in Makkah considered Abbas their help and support. Abbas wished to migrate to the Holy Prophet. However, he wrote to Abbas stating that it was better that he remained in Makkah. Hazrat Abbas would send detailed reports to the Holy Prophet. In one of his letters, he wrote, The army of the Quraysh has departed and is heading towards you. In the time it takes for them to reach you, make arrangements to the best of your abilities. The army comprises of 3,000 men. The vanguard is a cavalry unit of 200 men. In total, there are 700 men clad in armor and 3,000 camels. They are bringing all their weapons with them. Whilst mentioning about the information passed on by Hazrat Abbas, Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmed Sahib writes in the life and character of the seal of the prophets. The revenues generated by the trade caravan, which has been mentioned in the events of the Battle of Badr, amounted to 50,000 dinars. This amount was still secure in Darun Nadwa, according to the decision of the chieftains of Makkah, in order to prepare for an attack against the Muslims. Now this money was brought out, and preparation for war began with full force and effort. Had it not been for the vigilance and precautionary measures of the Holy Prophet, the Muslims would not have even known of this preparation and the disbelieving army would have reached the very doorsteps of the Muslims. In other words, the Holy Prophet had emphatically instructed his paternal uncle, Abbas bin Abdul Muttalib, who in his heart was with the Holy Prophet to remain in Medina and he would inform the Holy Prophet of the movements of the Quraysh. As such, on this occasion as well, Abbas bin Abdul Muttalib dispatched a swift rider from the Banu Ghifar towards Medina, promising him a hefty reward and thus informed the Holy Prophet of his motive of the Quraysh by means of a letter. Furthermore, he strictly emphasized to this emissary that he should convey this letter to the Holy Prophet within three days. Incidentally, when the emissary reached Medina, the Holy Prophet had gone to Quba, 
which was situated on the outskirts of Medina. The emissary pursued the Holy Prophet to Quba and presented this closed letter to him. The Holy Prophet immediately handed this letter to his personal scribe, Ubay bin Kaab Ansari, and instructed him to read out the letter. When Ubay read out the letter, it contained the horrific news that a fierce army of the Quraysh was approaching from Makkah. Upon hearing this, the Holy Prophet strictly instructed Ubay bin Kaab to keep the contents of the letter confidential. Nonetheless, this army departed. Further details about it are that the Quraysh army departed from Makkah on 5th Shawal and in this battle, their commander-in-chief was Abu Sufyan. Khalid bin Walid was commanding the cavalry unit and the flag-bearers were the Banu Abdiddar, carrying their shields and spears. 3,000 warriors laced in armour, bow and arrow in hand and thirsty for revenge, set out from Makkah, heading towards Medina to fight against the Holy Prophet Among them, 2,900 were members of the Quraysh, their slaves, as well as other tribes, and 100 men were from the Kinana tribe. 700 men were clad in armour. The cavalry unit consisted of 200 men, and there were 3,000 camels, as mentioned previously, and this was aside from the camels that would be slaughtered for consumption en route. They would beat the drum as they went along and had alcohol in vast quantity. Then it is written in one book of history that the Quraysh tried to take Hazrat Abbas along with them to the battle. However, Abbas excused himself, citing the Quraysh's carelessness with him during the Battle of Badr, due to which he was captured and no one helped free him. Driven by a passion for revenge, many women insisted to join the men in battle. Upon this, someone said during a consultative meeting, as we embark, we are covering our heads with our shrouds. If we are unable to avenge our dead, then we will not return alive. Hence, having the women's support will be beneficial for us. They will incite our passion and encourage us to keep moving forward by reminding us of the incidents that took place at Badr. Nawful bin Muawiyah ad Ali said, These women are our honour, and if we are defeated, then the dishonour will result in our dignity being reduced to dust. Different opinions were presented. Abu Sufyan's wife Hind was also present and said, O people, when both opinions had been presented by the men, this woman spoke up. Do not fear that you will not return alive. You were able to return safely from Badr and you were able to see your women. Do not stop us from joining you in this war. You made this mistake at Badr by making your women return. If these women had been with you during the incident of Badr, they would have incited your honour and spurred you on. Alas, our beloved ones were killed at the hands of our enemy in Badr. The chieftains of the Quraysh agreed with Hind and agreed to let the women accompany the army. It is recorded that the women who accompanied the army numbered 15, which included Abu Sufyan's own wife, Hind bin Utba. Ikram bin Abu Jahal also took his wife, Umm Hakim bin Haris bin Hisham. Haris bin Hisham took his wife, Fatima bin Walid, and Safwan bin Umayyah took his wife, Burza bint Mas'ud, who was the mother of Abdullah bin Safwan. Ibn Ishaq states that Amr bin As set out with his wife, Raita bint Munabbi, and Talha bin Abu Talha took his wife, Sulafa bint Saad, who is the mother of Talha's sons, Musafih, Jalas, and Kilab, all of whom were killed on the day of Uhud. Khunas bint Malik, who was from the Banu Malik tribe, accompanied her son, Aziz bin Umair. 
She was the mother of Hazrat Musa bin Umair radiallahu anhu. Amra bin Al-Kama, who was from the Banu Haris tribe, also accompanied the army. When Hind bin Utba would go to meet with Wahshi, or when Wahshi would go to meet her during the battle, she would say to him, O Abu Dasma, this was Wahshi's appellation, do something which will comfort our hearts. Wahshi, who was an African slave, had a spear which rarely let him down and would kill anyone it struck. Wahshi was Jubair bin Mutam's slave. He called Wahshi and said, You should also go with the army, and if you kill or strike Hamza, then I will free you. Because he killed my paternal uncle, Tu'ayma bin Adi. This army set up camp across from Medina in the middle of Ohud in Sabka at the Ainain mountain on the corner of Kina'a valley. Sabkha is near the Ainain mountain in Medina and is near Juruf, which is three miles north of Medina. Ainain is a mountain in Ohud. There is a valley between that and Ohud, and Kina'a is one of the three prominent valleys between Medina and Ohud. This is where it is located. Regarding the details of the battle, it is further written that Hazrat Abbas informed the Holy Prophet about the Quraysh army and Amr bin Salim informed the Holy Prophet about the disbelievers leaving Mecca. Abu Sufyan was incensed when he learnt of this. What happened was that Amr bin Salim, along with a few of his comrades, separated from the Quraysh army at Zitoa and swiftly reached Medina and informed the Holy Prophet about the Quraysh's advancements. On the way back, this group, led by Amr bin Salim, got ahead of Abu Sufyan's army at night in Abwa. In other words, that's where the army was and they crossed it. In the morning, Abu Sufyan set out back towards Mecca. Along the way, Abu Sufyan was informed that Amr bin Salim and some of his comrades had set off towards Mecca in the evening. Abu Sufyan worriedly said, I swear by God that he is certainly returning after having informed Muhammad about our advancement. He has told him everything about us, i.e. the Holy Prophet and has already alerted him. Now the Muslims will have secured themselves even before our arrival. This way we will not be able to inflict any harm upon them, nor will we succeed in our objective. Safwan bin Umayyah immediately said, if they do not come out of their fortresses into the battlefield to fight us, then there is no need to worry. We will cut down the date orchard of the Aus and Khazraj, which they will never be able to recover from and they will have lost all their wealth and sustenance. And if they leave their fortress and come out into the desert to fight, there still will be no cause for worry. We far outnumber them, and there is no comparison between our weaponry and theirs. They do not have horses, whereas we have many horses. We have the power to inflict loss of life and wealth in battle, whereas they cannot fight us in this manner. He was expressing his own views. In any case, as they advanced towards Medina, when the Quraysh encamped in Abwa, Hind bint Utba said to Abu Sufyan, you should dig up the grave of Muhammad's mother because her grave is in Abwa. If he captures any of your men, then you can send a limb of her body as ransom for every captive. This was her strange satanic suggestion. Abu Sufyan presented this idea to the Quraysh, saying that this was a suggestion that had been presented, to which the Quraysh responded, Do not open this door, otherwise the Banu Bakr will dig up our people's graves. This is a very dangerous idea. Do not accept it. In any case, 
They slaughtered camels wherever they set up camp. The women would incite them, present goblets full of alcohol, and they would eulogize the deceased upon which they would wail. They would also strike fear in others and incite them towards revenge. This caravan of the disbelievers continued forward in this manner, while on the other side, the Muslims were also making preparations. In this regard, it is written that the Holy Prophet sent Fazala's sons Anas and Munas on the Thursday night in the first 10 days of Shawal to gather information. It was perhaps on this occasion that the Holy Prophet instructed for a census to be conducted of all the Muslim residents in Medina in order to ascertain the Muslims' numbers and strength. Hence, the census was conducted and it was determined that at that point there were 1,500 Muslims living there. According to the conditions at that time, this was considered a significant number. Hence, some companions were so happy that some even wondered that seeing as their numbers had reached 1,500, was there a need to fear anyone? However, a companion from among them said that after that they faced such severe difficulties that at times they would have to offer prayers in secret. Once before this, the Holy Prophet had a census conducted of the Muslims, the results of which showed that there were between six to 700 Muslims at the time. In any case, the two companions who the Holy Prophet sent to gather information came across the Quraysh in Aqiq and then returned to the Holy Prophet and informed him about the army of the disbelievers. There are many valleys in the Arab peninsula named Aqiq, most prominent among which is Medina's valley of Aqiq. This spans from Medina's southwest to its northeast, and it is joined by all the Medina's valleys. In any case, those two came and informed that the army of the disbelievers had left their camels and their horses at a field in Orez. Orez is a date orchard which is also three miles from Medina. They did not leave any greenery there as everything had been grazed. The disbelievers reached the valley of Kinar on Wednesday and their camels grazed in the valley's greenery on Thursday and Friday. They did not leave any greenery behind. The Holy Prophet also sent Hubab bin Munzir towards them. He saw them and returned and relayed his estimate of their numbers and equipment upon which the Holy Prophet said, do not tell anyone about their condition. Hasbunallahu wa ni'mal wakil. Allahumma bika rajulu wa bika usul. Meaning Allah is sufficient for us and is the best of protectors. O oh Allah, I make rounds with you and I wage an attack with you by my side. Due to the threat of the attack at night by the disbelievers, the chieftains of the Aws and Khazraj, Hazrat Saad bin Muaz, Hazrat Usaid bin Khuzair and Hazrat Saad bin Abada clad themselves in armor and on Friday night stood by the door of the Holy Prophet in the mosque and also made rounds of Medina until the morning. Before the Muslims departed from Medina, the army of the disbelievers encamped upon the salty and murky land of Kina'a. There were luscious date orchards in the east, west and south of Medina and to pass through them and attack a city or town was very difficult because an army could only advance one by one through those orchards. In this way, the attackers would easily be killed. An attack was only possible from the northern side, hence the Quraysh encamped to the northern and western sides. The residents were not concentrated in one area, rather they were spread out between the mountains in a vast area of cities and towns. Some tribes had created dwellings by the lands and orchards, and they had also built many two-storey towers, and whenever there was a threat, the children and women would be taken to the upper level of those towers. After tending to their families, they would fight against the attackers. Another historian writes 
that the enemy army placed a blockade in the night between the Muslim army and Medina, where the hypocrites, the Jews, those exempt from battle, women and children were. Mentioning further details about this, Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmed Sahib writes, Perhaps towards the end of Ramadan 3 Hijri or the beginning of Shawwal, the army of the Quraysh set out from Mecca. Many champions from other tribes of Arabia were also part of the army. Abu Sufyan was the commander of the army. This was an army of 3,000 men, among whom 700 warriors were clad in armour. There was also ample means of conveyance, 200 horses and 3,000 camels. Equipment of war was also more than adequate. Some women also rode along, of whom Hind, the wife of Abu Sufyan, the wives of Ikram bin Abu Jahl, Safwan bin Umayyah, and others, etc., were present. According to the ancient custom of Arabia, these women had brought along their musical instruments so that they could sing motivational couplets and beat their drums in order to rouse the spirits of their men. After a journey of about 10 or 11 days, this army of the Quraysh reached close to Medina, circled to the north of Medina and stopped near the mountain of Uhud. The lush green field of Uraiz was situated nearby where the animals of Medina would graze and some farming took place there as well. Before anything else, the Quraysh raided this pasture and wreaked havoc to their heart's content. When the Holy Prophet received news from his informants that the army of the Quraysh had reached nearby, he sent a companion named Habab bin Munzir to obtain information as to the enemy's number and strength. Moreover, the Holy Prophet also emphasized that if the strength of the enemy was greater than their own and the Muslims were in a state of danger, as previously mentioned, Habab should not announce this news openly upon his return in the gathering. Rather, he should convey this news privately so that no one was disheartened. Habab quietly left and returned with great skill in a short period of time, submitting his report to the Holy Prophet. News of the arrival of the army of the Quraysh had spread throughout Medina. Their raid on Urais had also become widely known. Although the masses had not been given detailed knowledge with respect of the army of the disbelievers, even so, this night in Medina was one of great fear and danger. Select companions guarded the home of the Holy Prophet all night long. Whilst a consultation was being taken in preparation for the Battle of Uhud, the Holy Prophet stated, Last night I saw a dream that a cow was being slaughtered. I also saw that there was an indent in the blade of my sword Zulfikar. According to one narration, it is reported that the Holy Prophet stated that the handle of his sword had broken, and in another narration, it is reported that he said that a crack had appeared near the handle of his sword, Zulfikar. Both aspects point towards a misfortune. I then saw that I had placed my hand in a secure and strong chainmail. According to one narration, it is reported that the Holy Prophet stated that he was wearing a strong chainmail and was mounted on a ram. The companions asked the Holy Prophet how he had interpreted this dream. The Holy Prophet stated, As for the cow, this indicates that some of my companions will be martyred. According to another narration, the Holy Prophet stated, The slaughtering of the cow indicates that some of us will attain martyrdom. And as for my sword being broken, it signifies that someone from among my household or family shall be killed. According to another narration, it is reported as follows, the indents in the blade of my sword means that none of you shall have to face this loss, i.e. none from outside his family. The word falul has been used here, which means for the blade of the sword to become blunt or a crack to appear in the handle of the sword or for it to break. This indicated that two incidents would take place. The strong chainmail refers to Medina and the ram signifies that I shall kill the supporters of the enemy. In any case, the Holy Prophet sought counsel on this matter. Ibn Utba, Ibn Saad and Ibn Ishaq stated that the Holy Prophet saw this dream on Friday night. 
The next morning he went to the companions and praised and glorified Allah the Almighty and then related his dream and stated, If you agree, then we should remain in Medina and send our women and children to the fortress. If the enemy camps outside, they will be in a very unfavorable area and if they enter our city, then we shall fight them in the streets and we know the area better than them. We can also throw stones and attack them from the hillocks. Through the construction of buildings, Medina was fortified from all sides and was like a fortress. The prominent Muhajir and Ansar companions were also of the same opinion that was proposed by the Holy Prophet, and Abdullah bin Ubay also gave the same proposal. However, a party of the Muslims, who mainly comprised of young companions and could not take part in the Battle of Badr, and were desirous of martyrdom and wanted to fight against the enemy, stated, O Messenger of Allah, take us to fight the enemy outside of Medina, lest they think that we have become scared. Abdullah bin Ubay stated, O Messenger of Allah, remain in Medina, do not leave Medina. By Allah, whenever we have fought against the enemy outside of Medina, we have always suffered defeat. And whenever we fought inside Medina, we were victorious. Hamza bin Abdul Muttalib, Saad bin Ubada, and Noman bin Malik stated, O Messenger of Allah, if we do not leave Medina, then the enemy shall think that we have become scared and hence are not leaving Medina. Therefore, they will draw strength from this. On the occasion of Badr, Allah the Almighty granted you victory against them and you were only 300 men, whereas now you are in greater number. Ayas bin Aws bin Atik stated, that he desired for the Banu Abdul Ashal to fulfill the dream of the Holy Prophet, wherein a cow was being slaughtered. Besides him, others also stated that this would be one of two positive outcomes. Either they would attain victory or embrace martyrdom. They also vowed that the Arabs would not be able to enter their homes. Hazrat Hamza stated, I swear by him who has revealed the book to you, I will not eat today until I go out and fight against the enemy with my sword. Subsequently, he continued to remain in a state of fasting throughout Friday and Saturday, and he was in state of observing a fast when he embraced martyrdom. Naman bin Malik stated, O Messenger of Allah, do not deprive us from paradise. I swear by him in whose hands is my life, I shall certainly enter paradise. The Holy Prophet stated, How so? He responded, Because I love Allah the Almighty and his Messenger. In another narration it is mentioned that he said, I testify that there is none worthy of worship except Allah and Muhammad is indeed the Messenger of Allah and I shall not flee on the day of battle. The Holy Prophet stated, You have indeed spoken the truth. He also attained martyrdom during this battle. Malik bin Sinan Khudri, Ayas bin Atik and another group of people insisted on leaving Medina for battle. Hazrat Majab Sriyama Sahib has written details of this account in the life and character of Seed of the Prophets as follows. The Holy Prophet gathered the Muslims and sought their counsel with regards to this attack of the Quraysh, whether they should remain in Medina or set out to fight the enemy. Prior to beginning, the Holy Prophet mentioned the attack of the Quraysh and their deadly intentions. Then the Holy Prophet mentioned his dream, which has already been narrated. The companions inquired about the interpretation of the dream, upon which the Holy Prophet stated, I have understood the slaughtering of the cow to infer that some of my companions shall be martyred, and it seems as if the breaking of the tip of my sword is an indication towards the martyrdom of someone from among my relatives, or perhaps I shall myself suffer an injury in this campaign. As for placing my hand in a coat of mail, I have understood this to infer that in order to fend off this attack, it is more appropriate for us to remain in Medina. The Holy Prophet interpreted the dream of himself being mounted on a ram to symbolize the leader of the army of the Quraysh, i.e. his flag-bearer, who would, God willing, be slain at the hands of the Muslims. After this, the Holy Prophet sought the counsel of his companions as to what should be done in the current state of affairs. As mentioned earlier, that the companions put forth the suggestion to remain in Medina and fight, perhaps being influenced by the dream of the Holy Prophet or by just assessing the circumstances of the time. The Holy Prophet also preferred this proposal. However, a majority of the companions, many of whom were young men and had not participated in the Battle of Badr and were restless to receive an opportunity to serve the religion by means of their own martyrdom, very forcefully insisted 
that they should go forth from the city and fight in an open field. This group presented their opinion with such persistence that upon witnessing their zeal, the Holy Prophet accepted their proposal and decided that the Muslims would fight the disbelievers in an open field. After the Friday prayer, the Holy Prophet publicly urged the Muslims to attain spiritual reward through jihad in the cause of Allah by participating in this expedition. I shall, God willing, continue to narrate these details in future. Continue praying for the Palestinians. After the pause in fighting, indiscriminate bombardment will resume upon them once again, as a result of which more innocent people will be martyred. What will be the extent of this cruelty, only Allah knows best. The intentions of the major powers with regards to the future of the Palestinians are very dangerous. Therefore, we must pray immensely for them that Allah the Almighty bestows His mercy and grace. Alhamdulillah, 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 Wa <laughs>